Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Beef and Lamb New Zealand's Seen and Heard podcast. Today we're revisiting a subject which I note we first actually covered a podcast back in 2020, uh, January 2020 to be specific, so how little we knew about what was to happen to the world at that time. Um, But anyway, back to topic, that's the Open Farms program. Uh, Formerly I think it's called the National Open Farm Day. This year it's going to be held on Sunday 10th of March. And while a key aim of the day is to help non-farming Kiwis reconnect with the source of their food, uh, what we've found and what we've been told from the research is that the host farmers get a heap out of the experience as well, both um, directly and indirectly. So joining us to explain what's in it for host farms, basically, is Daniel Ebb, the founder of Open Farms. Uh, Welcome along, Daniel. You're ringing in internationally today. (laughs) I don't know how international Melbourne is, but yeah. uh... (laughs) Yeah, slightly, slightly more exotic. Yeah, nice. Um, hey, look, let's cut to the chase. If you're yarning with a farmer as you're doing your job, what's the first thing you're going to tell them about Open Farms Day to encourage them to host visitors? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, the first is that it's easy or easier than a lot of farmers expect it to be. That's the intention of the whole project is is taking as much of the the planning requirements off of the farmer, doing it centrally by this Open Farms brand platform that we've built. Um, And uh, in addition to that, we sort of provide host handbooks, uh, lists of ideas, you know, how to talk to your insurance company, all that kind of stuff. So we've found every bit of the process that we can kind of centralise and streamline. Um, and then it's just up to the farmer basically to, to do a bit of planning and host the day. So the first thing is it's easier than you think. Um, then the second thing is, yes, and you, you mentioned it in your intro, a lot of the focus here is on urban people, but having done this now 106 times uh, and had more than 10,000 visitors, through across three years of of the open day. There's a whole lot of stuff we didn't really anticipate that um, is of benefit to the farmer host. And and then I'd probably run through a couple of those. But um, yeah, it was was surprising. It's um, it's definitely a two-way, it's definitely a two-way benefit. Yeah, no, that struck us as well. And I didn't want to put you on the spot, but it's good to have the... <laughs> no, it's a good question. I should know that. <laughs> and, and we're going to <laughs> drill into it. <laughs> we're going to drill into it in quite a bit more anyway. So you'll get, if you thought you forgot anything there, we'll get to to cover it off. Um, one of the things that actually struck me, and it's I think suspect it's probably in a few farmers' minds, is you know, when Beef and Lame New Zealand run field days, we have them spread out all over the country to be close to farmers. But the point here is actually to find farms close to non-farming people. So... Um, you're actually looking for more than one farm in, say, the Auckland or Wellington area because that's where there's lots of people and you have heaps of demand. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So we, every year we put out a map of where our farms are and you'll see that they're clustered right around those those sort of metro areas. That's yeah. not to say that we won't run a farm rurally. It's just the focus of things changes. So to give you an example, the way we, we generally recruit or sort of acquire visitors and, and push them through our booking system is – you know, like saying like a Facebook ad that'll basically just have a picture of a farm and say reconnect with your food or reconnect with your farmer and I'm very pleased to say that um, uh, the Open Farms Facebook page ranks within the 95th percentile for engagement. I'd like to think that's all you know social media wizardry that's not that's just the content and the offering that we put up there is is so in demand that 
should we put up a uh, an event that's in 45 minutes driving distance outside of Auckland, that'll book out in, I think our record was about two and a half days, um, sometimes sometimes in hours yeah. for, for bolts. Uh, for, for, we'll have several hundred places get booked out in an hour or so. Um, so that just shows you the demand. Um, so with that kind of sort of demand mechanics behind it, we'll take as many farms as possible around Auckland, Wellington, Tauranga, Christchurch, Dunedin. Um, yep. So, but again, that's not to say that we won't run a farm more rurally. It's just that the focus changes instead of it being about reconnecting with food and reconnecting with the land, it becomes more of a community community day. So what we'll often do is work with the farmer, connect them up with the local newspaper, um, print out you know print out and send them a couple of flyers, and it becomes more about oh, let's get the you know some uh, a class from a local school to, to come along, or let's get this particular um, community group that we're part of to come along, and it becomes the the focus shifts from learning about food and farming to reconnecting with your community, um, and we found that works really really well. We've got all, uh, you know several hosts who are more rurally based, and they host with us every year, and they have got this focus down, and it works really really well for them. Nice. Yeah. No. I mean, it makes sense. Open farm is a fairly um, fairly broad sort of concept um, with all those potential applications, as you say. Even if the the original one is uh, the um, yeah non farming or, or urban people. But I want to. I said we're going to drill into it a bit. Put you on the spot at the start. So let's start there. Obviously, there's industry benefits from this program, and that, to be blunt, is why Beef and Land New Zealand are, are really interested in it as a sponsor. But um, you've touched on it, and it, I found it really interesting to to read some of the the uh, the detail, the reports, the research findings. That there's a heap of direct benefit or, or individual benefit, if you like, for the host farmers out of this. Um, it's not just something they're doing on behalf of the industry as a chore. I mean, there's, there's there is a bit of that, um, and I guess the first one that really struck me, and it's a wee bit intangible, but the host report back. That the host farms are saying that it's it makes them proud or, or probably prouder is the right word to farm. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? That's um, fairly impressive to hear. Yeah, um, it was probably the um, the most rewarding piece of feedback we got um, across a series of sort of more sort of social science research bits that we do. And in addition, we we survey every host um, immediately after the event, um, and this comes out pretty strongly. Um, I think it's the the sense that you know farming can be a little bit of an isolating job, um, and you know, generally you, you're very seldom going to meet someone who, like 20% of our visitors, have never been to a farm. And so to see what you do every day through completely fresh eyes for someone who's saying, "Wow, this is how my food gets made. This is what caretaking, you know, caring for the land mm. actually looks like." It's a, it's it's quite a, it's quite a moving experience. Um, you know, like like I say, we call every farmer right after the event, just ask them how it goes, how it went, and you know, they, they I'd say maybe a quarter of them tend to get into quite deep and meaningful conversations, mm. just because for some of them, they've never actually had that experience of, of being sort of the the steward of a new experience for someone. And an experience that's so profound and so important for raising a healthy family and being a good citizen and being a healthy person individually. Um, and so 
it's it's kind of hard to describe, and I wish I had sort of facts and figures and data behind it, but that's the main reason that a lot of farmers keep coming back, is they basically know in their guts that this is a good thing that they're doing. Um, and, yep. and that flows through to sort of motivation for the team. So often a whole farming team will do it together, and so it will become almost like this weird sort of pep talk thing that they do that this is this is the reason why we get up at you know, 5 30 in the morning and do this job um, is 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 this impact that we're having on these people even though it's really really hard to see um mm. for one day a year it kind of makes that impact visible um so yeah it's a it's it's a it's a unanticipated but really really rewarding piece of feedback we've seen yeah, you know, I th- I, well, obviously, we'll put the link to your website in the blurb here, but I think it was on there. There was a, one or two stories along those lines of people just talking about what it meant. You know, yeah, yeah. basically, they've been, um, to the, use the vernacular, um, head down, bum up a lot of the time, producing food for people, but they've never really got mm. the chance to meet those people. And, and this was a chance to really talk to them about what it all means and see what uh, those people, how much they appreciated what, what farmers and farming was doing. So, yeah, really neat. Um, there's probably one of there's probably, if I can just add one other thing to that, Aaron. Like we talk a lot in farming about like telling our story and connecting with our consumer um and, and, and you know like understanding the why of what we do. And and I think for a lot of farmers, those are conversations that happen in conferences or in boardrooms. Uh, and it it's 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 doesn't feel relevant to them. Um to me, this is what that is in like a super tangible, highly relevant format. Um, and when you do those things and you put yourself out there and you have this kind of experience, what we've seen off the back of that is quite a lot of innovation. Um, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but um, yeah, no, definitely. it, it, it kind of kickstarts either, um, often we've seen direct-to-customer businesses sort of progress off the back of their open days. We're at a point now where probably at least I'd say 60% of our hosts run some kind of direct-to-customer business, either they're selling wool product or they're selling a meat box or um, their market garden and they they deal directly with customers. And for these organizations, for these farms, there's a real tangible economic benefit um, based off of that sort of quite human one-to-one experience. Um, And so they're generating some kind of return off it. Uh, And then we do a bunch of things like sending you, uh, giving you the email list of everyone who attended the farm. So suddenly you've got a database of two or 300 people that you can sell to, we can communicate with. And we've written that expressly into our privacy policy that the farmer can connect with you afterwards via email. And so we've, it's, it's not just a feel good thing for those farmers who are interested in you know, experimenting and exploring with business models, it, that that experience kickstarts sort of more people-centered, direct-to-customer-centered innovation, which is which is another another right and really nice rewarding piece of feedback. Neat. So that was my next question. So, you, but it is a good <laughs> so segue because I wanted to. Oh, no, that's good. I wanted to drill into that one in particular a wee bit more because I mean, obviously, you know, as an industry a whole, rising tide lifts all ships, and this is good for the industry. But that's really neat for those that are putting themselves out there to get some more direct individual reward, I guess. Um, that being said, and I think uh, with a you said you know sixty percent have got their own. Um, want of a better word, product sales, direct sales, those type of thing that can benefit from it, but not everybody does. But for for whether they've got that or not, obviously that's the potential return on this sort of time or, or the benefit to it. But there are some costs, you know, putting yourself out there is one of those sorts of things. But um, let's talk about both direct and indirectly. What are the 
the costs or, or the commitments, I guess, that you have to take on if you're going to host an open farm day. I mean, there's, um, yeah, what do you expect from farmers they're going to have to provide? And is there some cost to that? Is there some support, both direct and indirect? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's fair enough. It's not, you know, it's not nothing. Um, we, we're, we're very upfront about that. Um, so the process is farmer goes through um, the website. We put our effectively our entire host handbook up on the website for free. Um, so you have a look through like these are the activity ideas. This is kind of the structures. Here's some, here's some examples of how other people have run their open days. Um, they then register, um, just providing farm details, write a little blurb, send us some photos. From there, then there's a one-to-one -one relationship. Mm -hmm. We'll give you a call, send you an email, um, you know, make sure you get the host handbook, answer any questions. If you're a first timer, we'll walk you through, all right, well, what are you thinking about your event? How many people are you thinking about? What we what we encourage every time for every first timer is just keep it small. Like you don't have to do one of these events that has 400 people to it. That's 400 people at it. That's something that these sort of more uh, established uh, and uh, experienced open farms uh, hosts starting to do now and we have a we have a, a scale process to help them grow um mm -hmm. and basically when i say a scale process that's the you know uh, 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 basically we provide them some money we give them an operation yep. subsidy to cover port uh, you know box beers for volunteers at the end of the day that kind of thing um so that's sort of our larger process but mm -hmm. for first timers, do a host, do a farm walk, do a farm walk for 50 people for two hours. You know, like that's that's a super simple. And funnily enough, when we when we break down the data between the big 400 person event and the farm walk for 50 people, the farm walk for 50 people generally ranks higher in terms mm. of all that farm feedback stuff that we talked about, and the the quality of the experience for for the visitor as well. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend. Um, just go easy, go basic. Uh, and in terms of sort of the, some of the um, watch out questions that a lot of farmers have for us, things like health and safety, how do I talk to my insurance company, all that stuff we cover in the host handbook. And again, we've done it in a way that gets it done quickly. So you know, we called FMG right at the start of the program and we said, well, you know, what's the insurance policy here? How, how do we, how do we do this and say, okay, cool. Um, if you say this, you know, if you say this statement to your insurance rep, you're all set. And so we've written out the statement for you to copy and paste an email to your insurance rep. So like we've turned yeah. a, a 25-minute job into a two-minute job. Uh, health and safety, we've written up, um, you know, basically the cheat sheet to it, the the, the plan with all of the potential um uh, things you'd have to look at. Um, again, it's taken a job that would have taken two hours, you get done in 10. Um, so at the end of the day, like it's still the farmer's event. So planning, sourcing a volunteer um, or two, um, where you're going to park, what are you going to show, setting things up. Like we can't get on the ground at every farm and we'd love to, but that's just not within our budget. Um, so there's still that sense of physical setup, but a lot of the planning support, all the marketing stuff, all the feedback and follow-up, all that stuff um, you take care of. Yep. So it's interesting, um, yeah, talking about the size of the event, I mean, and we have an extension team, I used to be part of it, and, and uh, thinking about the logistics of planning is one thing, but yeah, the small group learning where people can get really engaged, get their own questions answered, versus the larger events where there's a lot more look, 
but not necessarily, you know, you don't have, you're not quite as individualized. Both have their place. Do you, thinking about that bigger end and how do you have a cap or do you how do you manage numbers that might turn up? Or is it a take and see what you get on the day? Uh, no, so there's no cap. Um, but the most important thing is that the farmer sets their own limit. Um, so our, our average event size, I think last year we were about 160. Uh, and that that covers events. I think our largest event was 450 people and our smallest event was about 30. Um, so that covers quite a range. Um, but the farmer sets that number. That's the most important thing. Uh, we, you know, we, we talk about sort of expect you know, 25%, 30% drop off. So if you set 100, you'll probably get about 50, 60, 70 on the day, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, that's up to the farmer. And, and the, you know, we'll yep. never pressure you know, we, we would like to see larger events, more larger events, hence why we've chopped up our budget for the last couple of years and, and we'll pay farmers to host larger events effectively or mm-hmm. at least cover some of their costs. Um, but what's most important for us is that farmers run the right size event for them. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. It would be, um, especially if your first time or perhaps thinking of 50 or 60 would be good and you had 450 or something walk in the door, it's going to be a yeah, shock to the system and let alone the logistics side of things. Yeah, so, and specific- that will never happen. Just, 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 just wrap up yep. on that one. That will never happen because we don't share any farm addresses publicly. There's no event listings or anything like that, um, or like sort of public event listings like in the newspaper or anything like that with, the, with your address. Uh, visitors have to go through the website. They have to make a booking. Okay. And so... Once you've hit that 100 cap, that's it. No one else books uh, and no one nice. else has their address. So you are guaranteed to have, if you said there's 100, I guarantee you, you'll get between 50 and 80 people, depending on the cancellation rate. Yep. So that's nice. Um, and that big or small um, people rocking up, no surprises. But even a small event, there's some basic requirements around shelter, toilets, those sorts of things. What are farmers expected to provide in that case? If it's a crappy day, are you expected to be able to have it under the covered yards in the shearing shed? or And you will obviously need some sort of um, usable toilet, those sorts of things? Uh, yes, there, those are usable toilets, an interesting one. We've written up on, <laughs> we sort of, we've been, funnily enough, we've turned it into like some funny social content, basically being like, to visitors, you're going to a working farm. Not every working farm is going to have a toilet available. So either go before you, you know, go before you arrive. Um, 99% of farmers will be more than happy for you to duck behind a bush. It's It ends yep. up becoming kind of funny. Like, you know, we also take this stuff too seriously a little bit in this day and age. It's like, you know, if we don't have toilets for everyone and everything's absolutely 100% set up, it's a farm. Things happen. Get over it. It's, it's kind of the reason why people go. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah, shelter would be good. Um, you know, Touchwood, we've never had um, uh, a really adverse weather day. Um, it's always been pretty, you know, pretty clear. I mean, we're talking 10th of March here. I mean, what's the chances of like, uh, with the weather these days? I don't know. I'm going to say what's the chances of getting some rain on 10th yeah. of March. Um, <laughs> but we, we've specifically set the date to be some of the best weather in the year. Um, for, but for something like a farm walk, what I would encourage a farmer to do is basically say, all right, plan for the lowest sort of common denominator in terms of fitness. So yep. you're not going to put everyone in trucks and drive around the farm. That's just not going to happen. Set um, set a parking place. Um, uh, set up a couple of activities for people to arrive. And we're talking things like a gumboot throw. Like a gumboot throw ranks every year as the best activity. It's It takes all of about you know, three minutes to set up and, and yep. you're away. Uh, a gumboot throw, dig a hole. 
and do some worm counts. I'm, I'm talking mostly for kids here. Um, and, you know, maybe one or two other little activities. Again, we've got a list of 55 up on the website. So pick two that are really easy to do. Fencing, setting up fencing standards. Uh -huh ranks every year as like the best activity that kids can do making a little mm. makeshift temporary fence again these are things that farmers do every day but for someone for the 20 percent of people who have never been to a farm of who account for our visitors doing a worm count is something they've never done so mm. <laughs> you've got this whole wealth of sort of small little bits and pieces that a farmer does every day that are really really valuable for this particular type of person who's going to turn up um so once you've set up that kind of little holding area, once uh, enough people have arrived, um, just go for the walk and just know exactly where you're going. Okay, I'm going to go to this creek that we're doing uh, you know, some fencing and, and planting, and I'm going to sit there under mm -hmm. the shade for 20 minutes. I'm going to talk about why we do this. I'll have another activity for the kids set up there. So the kids are doing the worm count there or building a bug hotel or something like that, or, or doing a one thing we've, worked, we've seen that works really well is um, – uh, a a little printout of uh, different types of trees or grass species and have kids go and find each of them in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, takes 10 minutes yeah. and and you're away. Um, you know, maybe so from maybe from the region, uh, the native region spot around the stream, uh, go to the stockyards. Uh, and, you know, if you can have a couple of animals in there ready to go and talk through the life cycle of the animal. This is you know, one of our cattle. This is how they start. This, mm. this is what happens. This is what we do to them, you know, if they're sick. Um, you know, if, if, if you, we've seen a lot of um, stockyards that are safe enough to have some kind of animal contact. Um, and we will send you, again, with, I should mention, we send a box of kit. So under those circumstances, we send everyone with some soap. Um, so even the, you don't have to even buy anything for the day. It's all sent to you in a package yeah. so people can wash their hands afterwards. Uh, and then that's probably about it. You know, maybe you spend, uh, jump into the woolshed, show them how the woolshed works. Then that's yep. two hours up and away you go. It's it's interesting. It reminds me a lot of what we do. And again, in Beef and Lamb New Zealand with farmer extension event where other farmers are coming. And I know, you know, a lot of farmers hosting days, even the most extroverted of them tend to get a bit worried. But the thing we tell them over and over, it's not an exam or a test. They, they're just talking about stuff they know. They don't have to swap and prepare stuff. They know their farm. They know what they really enjoy. And they, it's, um, yeah, there's no right or wrong answers. Just tell us what you already know and what you already do. And that's what people love to hear. So Absolutely. Um, and, and again, the people that are coming, generally, they, there's two types. The bulk, the vast majority are that person who has you know, been to a couple of farms, but are like most urban people, super disconnected from farming. You can, they are there to learn and that is it. And they have very few preconceptions about farming. Um, yeah, you, you are there as their steward for a new experience. There are a group of people who are really into this stuff and will come and then ask mm -hmm. you questions like, oh, you've heard all the stuff about like regenerative farming. What is that? Oh, I've heard all the stuff about antibiotic use. What's all that about? We've never, ever had in over 10,000 people and 106 events, we've never had a direct confrontation. Someone yeah. coming there and being like, yeah, oh, this is, uh, you know, farmers are stuffing up our waterways. What do you have to say about that? It doesn't happen. It has not happened. And so the sense that someone's going to come and challenge you is, I mean, it might happen, um, but I just, 
I think the way we've structured a lot of the messaging around reconnecting and this is something for social good and about building yep. better communities and connections, it just doesn't seem that it's given space for that to happen. Um, you know, you'd be, a, you'd be a bit of a prick if you rolled onto a farm that someone hosting an open day <laughs> and started berating them. I mean, just a, a little bit of a tangent. I, I did a lot of work with the, the the UK version of Open Farms, which has been running for near on a decade. And I asked them this exact question. It's like, you've had, you know, they get 200,000 visitors um, mm. a year um, to, to several hundred events. Um, you know, again, they've been running 15 years or something like that. I said, how, you know, you must be, you must have dozens of stories of this happening. And they said it, the only thing they could talk about, the only event that they had was that someone on a tractor trailer ride stood up and then started berating the farmer for some practice. And then the mm. rest of the people on the tractor trailer ride made the person sit down and shut yeah, up. Yeah, and shut up. <laughs> yeah. And they have, this is, they've had millions of visitors. And this is, that's it. That's kind of yeah. Um, you know, I and I can, think, yeah, sorry, you go. You know, so I can, I was thinking about, I can understand that the registration process, the fact you have to declare your name and email address and all that and sign up beforehand. Exactly. Um, I suspect it's not social media where they can be anonymous. And again, they're in a crowd of at least 40 or 50 others who are there in good faith and want to. And um, yeah, it's a, I just think I could see why that it doesn't happen. The processes you've got in place automatically sort of, um, count against that people can't turn up anonymous or out of the blue and, and have a go so oh, that's good to hear um sorry i didn't want to get into some of the the nitty-gritty but i know that's often the question sort of questions that, that, that farmers ask and you've touched on this next one a wee bit about um you know 60 percent of your business does have some uh way of of i guess directly capitalizing on it through sales and those sorts of things but um Building your farm business, I guess, applies not just in a direct sort of uh, financial sense, but the, and we've touched on this, the pride, but the, involving the team and that sort of thing, there's some real benefits there that it's not just for the farm owners themselves, the, the family, maybe friends, but certainly um, staff and so on get a real kick out of a lot of this stuff as well. Yep, absolutely. And I'd expand that out to sort of the, the farmer's network. Um, so what we often see is vet comes along, uh, and we'll, we'll host that little part of the farm walk that focuses on animal health. Um, you know, we have, we're very privileged to have farmlands as a supporting partner. And so often someone from farmlands will come along if it's a larger event. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a, when I say team, I mean team in a broader sense that mm -hmm. people who, who, who make your farming business go uh, are often there on the ground on the day. Um, and that we, we find that farmers get quite a lot, quite a bit of a kick out of that. Um, yeah, like I say, we have a host operation yep. subsidy. I don't know what the breakdown of that is, but I imagine a whole lot of it goes to sausages and beer for the team afterwards, <laughs> which I think personally is a very very good investment. So I'm more than happy for yep. that to for that to be the spend. Um, but then I'll probably add one other thing, which is even if you're not doing a direct to customer um, uh, business model, there's there's a sort of marketing aspect to it, which is quite still quite valuable. So a lot of farms have Facebook pages. A lot of farms mm -hmm. um, are looking to to build their profile, uh, and we do a lot of that automatically um, for the farm. So we send we you know um, ninety percent of our Facebook page is just uh, scraping your Instagram uh, or your Facebook for the best pictures that have done the best, and then we promote them to our audience as well, and we always link back to the farm. Um, so you end up getting, you know, 
it's I'm getting broken this down, but I'd say a good chunk of people who will visit the farm will end up liking your Facebook page. So you're starting to grow a little bit of an audience. Yep. Um, uh, most farms will 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 generate some um, local or sort of regional press around. So you end up getting in the, in the local newspaper. We Vincent Herald stuff. They all cover us every year, and we're always pushing case studies through to them. So by the end of the by the end of uh, the experience. You've got a couple of stories that rank online about your farm and how uh-huh. what one person's experience was or what your experience as a farmer was, and so that you know, for, for 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 some farmers that's quite useful, particularly those that are looking to either innovate on the business model in the future or are looking to to step up as a sort of a leading farm. Um, so we've heard we've had that feedback feedback back that the sort of publicity of it is quite useful, uh-huh. and again that all happens by you don't literally don't have to lift a finger. We we all did that. You have to lift up the phone to talk to the journalist, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting that um, I think you know some farmers, some farmers find that hard, the profile side of things. But it's um, it's really interesting how it can benefit in some some indirect ways. Because I know the key message that uh, that our team were keen to get across to this as farmers is that thinking the wider picture visiting a farm builds trust and support for sustainable farming from non-farming people that's been one of the key findings and that's that's really important but um it's not without those benefits and one of them was um talking about sparking a, a passion for farming and both in those that host but i suspect um that in this day and age isn't a bad thing either when it comes to things like looking for staff and and people that want to work with you or the keeping existing staff on or the working but um we sort of touched on a whole lot of that stuff. I want to drill maybe back into a wee bit for those that are listening and that have had hopefully their interest sparked or deciding it's um, something they would like to go. So you're looking for more farmers and particularly you're quite keen around some of the major, pop, not not only them, but we touched around Auckland, Wellington, Tauranga, some of those major population centres. That's where you've got a, a huge amount of demand and you, you don't need just one farm there. But wherever they are, if, if farmers have listened to this, um, decided they might be interested or at least looking for more or even are willing to sign up, what do they do next? Head to the website. It's just openfarms.co.nz. Um, have a good read through, um, like, what does it take to host? What are mm-hmm. uh, some of the requirements? Um, have, a, have a quick scan through the host handbook. Um, we, we kind of put all of the uh, there's a f- uh, frequently asked questions um, that far we've kind of s- scraped from the last couple of years of, of farmer interviews. Um, and then there's a button called request a call, request a callback. Mm-hmm. Hit that, give us your number, tell us where you are in the country, uh, and then either myself uh, or my colleague Brittany will give you a call and talk you through it. It's sort of as simple as that. And then if you're Easy comfortable, you register. Brilliant. So look, the website link is in the blurb of this podcast. Uh, we pushed a couple of years ago. We did a podcast on some of the social science research that you'd done. If, for people that are right into technical stuff or a bit of nuffy for this sort of stuff, go and have a look. That's really interesting breakdown of what the, they um, they found from your audience, and uh, that's sitting there on the the Beef and Lamb podcast channel. But before I sort of wrap up, Dan, um, you've got the uh, metaphorical digital floor. Anything else you wanted to add that we haven't covered or um, you'd like to get on tape while we're at it? Um, I, I, just maybe just that last point about the social science research. Yep. Very, very quickly. It works. This this thing works. Yep. Open farm days work. Um, that's, that's the main take out of the social science research. And I think it, it's, there's only really one way to 
you know, help people reconnect with farming and then fix our recruit the long-term recruitment problems. And it's the stuff, it's the person to person, one open yep. day at a time, one conversation at a time. Everything else is just a silver bullet that's not really going to work. Um, and so it's, it's, but it, it, I think the, the main thing I want to get across is that, yes, this is going to take a long time and we've got to do it on every, you know, a whole lot of farms. We've got to do a whole lot of open farm days, but it's a really valuable experience for everyone involved. And so it's not, it's not the thing that I'm getting, the feedback I'm getting from farmers is that it's not, it's not as much as a chore as they thought it was going to be. There's actually some real tangible rewards to it. And yeah. that's why such a large majority of them keep coming back year after year after year after year. And that, that's, that's been a real privilege to see. Brilliant. And I think, um, I want to harp on it. The fact you just don't get the negative interactions is a sign of it. It's those face-to-face in real life and in people, what is effectively people's homes as well. It's just um, people communicate so much better in that setting than um, online or at a distance. So, hey, look, um, finally, um, because I am paid by them, I better put a word in from our sponsors, that being us, Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Um, we are really proud to have um, supported and, and sponsored Open Farms since its inception here in New Zealand and worked with Dan. Um as we've talked about here, it's been proven to build trust and support for sustainable farming. And our farmers all say they feel like they've made a difference, which is um, a really neat feeling in and of itself. Um, a difference to how people feel about farming, um, how they feel about agriculture. Um, and for the farmers, just they feel, as we mentioned before, even better and even prouder to be a farmer, which in and of itself is a great thing. So. Look, thanks, Daniel, for your time calling in from um, – you are working over there, just to reassure people you're not in Melbourne on holiday. Um, Sometimes. <laughs> but um, some of the, hey, look, thanks for that. And farmers out there, last time, click on that link in the bio and have a look, and um, please have a go.